calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm Sarah Century. I am a risk-taking police officer who has a reputation for causing destruction while carrying out my work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm S.E. Fleenor, and I'm a staunch believer that ACAB, including Sarah Century. (laughs) It's okay. I forgive you. Today we have a question from Judah on Twitter. Have y'all covered Odyssey? I'd be curious to see your thoughts on it. It's a retelling of Homer's Odyssey from an almost all-female perspective, in space. The writing is dense, there's a lot going on, and the art is gorgeous. What a great summary. That is also what we found. (laughs) There is a lot going on, writing is pretty dense, and the art is amazing. Yeah, Christian Ward is the artist of this, and from what I understand, Matt Fraction wanted to work with him specifically and was just, I'm going to write the most Christian Ward comic that could exist because Christian Ward is a graphic designer who is highly sought after. So Matt Fraction is, you know, I want to justify Christian Ward's existence in this comic. (laughs) And he does. I mean, it's incredible. All of the art is unbelievably good. I am head over heels on the art. The colors are unbelievable. There's entire pages where color is the thing that matters the most. The line work is like incidental and kind of in the background. And then it's just like mostly color that matters, which I think is how this had to be. So yeah, I don't know. I'm really glad that they chose the artist that they did because it is such a good partnership between them, I would say. Breathtaking. There are just so many panels or full page spreads that I would, you know, flip to and just be like, what? What? Are you kidding me? And, and you know, it's the Odyssey. It's hard to hear over the podcast, but the name of the comic is also the name of a ship. And it's all caps O-D-Y-C. So it's like Odyssey. 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 <laughs> 
So, you know, like that's a story that I grew up with very much being trained in and, and learning about. So it's a very familiar, you know, big journey story. And it's hard to, not impossible, but hard to make fresh. And I thought they did an incredible job, not just in how they swapped the genders of people or how they made it primarily women but how those women all look very different from one another. How there's like, you know, Zeus is this big, fat, queer, white lady who you're like, uh, I still kind of hate you because you're Zeus and that's my my job. But I also kind of want to make out with you and see where this leads, which I have to be clear. I never felt about Zeus in the original Odyssey. Ever. I think was part of what we're supposed to feel. Right, right. Like all these women get seduced by him in Greek mythology. And I spend all the time going like, what are you doing? This guy's like awful. Then it's like suddenly <laughs> on his big fat lady and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes from extreme creep to what's she doing here raging about how much she hates children. <laughs> it's really fun to watch her just to hate children so much. <laughs> yeah, and she just like hates humans. And then she like kind of like some humans. <laughs> like that's really endearing. She's clearly still like the baddie, which is great. It's nice to have an antagonist that you like to see in panel. Like I was happy every time she showed up. I was just thinking of like the most heartbreaking scene, which is where everyone has slightly different names, but like essentially Odysseus, right? Leaves her lover on the planet, that whole scene. Oh, that was so heartbreaking. It's like the end of issue two. And I was just like, dear God, I didn't quite realize that this was because <laughs> it's really funny. There's a bunch of funny stuff. Most of it's written in the same style as the Odyssey. But it has all of this kind of cool outlying stuff to it as well. I think there's like two issues that is written in Limerick or something like that. Yes. Um, so it, obviously they're having a bunch of very campy fun. And I thought after reading the first issue and a half or something like that, I was like, oh, this is like a jokey comic, right? Like this is somebody who read this book and this is their irreverent take on it. And then it's just like, oh my God, no, there's so many really heavy hitting parts of this book that I just kind of wasn't expecting. And that was the first one was where I was like, oh God. <laughs> like, When you're so right too about how what makes them hit so heavy for me is the colors, is the art. Like, yes, there's a dramatic story happening and I'm with it, you know, like it's beautiful and there's a reason it's a story we've returned to over thousands of years, you know, but, or I don't know, hundreds of years. I don't know when the fuck the Odyssey was written. Let's say five billion years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Approximately. And there's so much iconic power relations and like reversals. And, you know, we have the Oedipus complex and blah, 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 blah. But I guess that's not from this story. No, but that's from Oedipus Rex. Yeah, but like that's the thing, right? They bring in all of this different stuff, which is really yeah. what the Odyssey does too. Like in, through the whole thing, they're just like, and over there that happened and over there that happened. But here's like what I'm talking about. <laughs> all of those old plays are just like, of course, you know about this other thing that happened, right? The whole book itself, poem itself, I don't know. It all is on the fact that there was a whole war, you know, that we're not talking right. about right now. Right. And that's how this book starts, too, is it's just like, check it out. There was a big old war. That was a whole lot for us to deal with. Now this is their final thing because we're bored still. We're like Greek gods. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think they call Odysseus O mostly is what right. she's calling yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, you know, is like this ship captain, as in the Odyssey, but like in a spaceship. And space is made to look so fucking cool. And then there's these like 
really neat panels where it's kind of six panels on a page, but it's kind of a full page spread. It's doing double work there. And like you think you're just looking at someone's pair of eyes in a panel and then you zoom out if you're reading on a phone, which I was reading on a phone. Then you kind of get the full page and you're like, oh my God, it's a face. The whole thing comes together to make this sort of abstract face, which is Zeus watching us or which is the wife that O left behind that is haunted and wants to tell O of her son. You know, like it manages to take such an epic story and make it so queer. I mean, all of Greek shit is always queer, so to be fair. (laughs) But this is like explicitly queer. (laughs) Yeah, I remember whenever they go to the place that's also a body and there's just like a straight up lesbian orgy happening on like the mid, (laughs) the mid tier. And it's just like, well, it's been all the way since whenever I read Save Sex that I saw a lesbian orgy in a comic. Hell yes. Yes. I mean, it. Uh, and there's also these, um, I was trying to look up what they're called. Are they called ship girls? Is that what it is? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they had like lesser girls. There was lesser girls and then there was ship girls. I think okay. there were two different things. Is that right? I don't remember. I don't either, but they're not human, but they're humanoid, but they're semi-organic. Maybe they're also like a cyborg. I'm not, I'm not entirely clear. Right, yeah. Um, which like you don't really need to know what they are, but they do represent a really interesting sort of crisis around agency in the work, right? Because O has a lover who is one. Cebix, right? Cebix, thank you. Cebix? <laughs> it could be that too, I guess. One of the things I love sci-fi for is like doing work around agency and doing work around who gets to be a person, right? Like to me, some of the best Star Trek episodes are about is Data a person? Are Borg, ex-Borg people? Like, do they have rights? And of course, I come on the side of like absolutely. And I think this comic really grapples with that in an interesting way where our protagonist, our hero comes down on the side of like, well, maybe you're human enough to be a lover, but you're, you're not human enough or you're not important enough that's not clear which one she's thinking, for me to like keep you with me as I start this journey toward home. And so that's really fascinating because there's sort of a crisis around them, right? About the ship girls, the lesser girls and how they're women, but they're not women. They're people, but they're not people. They kind of freak everyone out, but they also turn everyone on. And that's like such an interesting character to create. Yeah, I do think that that is really interesting. Honestly, there was a lot of very interesting stuff in this comic. Another thing, I wanted to talk about was how you said that you read it on your phone. And I was going to say I read it on my phone as well. And what I think would be really awesome is they just released a 12 issue hardcover. And that has got to be beautiful. So I'm looking forward to trying to pick that up maybe because as amazing as this comic was on my phone, like it looks great. I think that actually being able to take that level of time with it and kind of flip through it and like all of that, I think that this is a comic that would specifically benefit from that because it is dense, but also it's the kind of book where I'm like, I kind of want to compare it against the Odyssey in some ways. There's parts of it where I'm like, I got to like reread the Odyssey, you know? Yes, totally. And kind of look at it through this new lens that I'm seeing and just kind of think about it, you know? There's some things that are about this that I feel like go a little bit denser than even just the page, which I think is pretty interesting. I mean, I think that they did a really good job with this. I think that it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I was just looking at some of the panels from the Cyclops, and I really loved the way they handled that. Because, you know, like the trick in the Odyssey, right, is like the Cyclops asked the name of, of Odysseus and Odysseus says, my name is No Man. And so then the Cyclops is like, no man must pay for this. No man uh-huh. hurt me. 
And it seems cheesy, but then you think about like what time it was written and you're like, that's like one of the first jokes like that. Maybe the first joke like that. Mm-hmm. Give it a little credit. Sometimes I have to do that with myself. Like I'll be watching old TOS episodes and I'll be like, this has been done to death. And then I'm like, oh wait, this is the first time it happened. <laughs> <laughs> be a little more generous, you dick. So instead of it being no man, Odyssea, oh, gives the Cyclops the name All Men. So then the Cyclops, who like is not a feminist by any sense or stretch, is like screaming and being like, all men did this to me, all men. Like That makes it just like 30 times funnier to me. And there's no men, right? So all of it together is like really funny. And then, of course, up in Olympus, they're like, oh, what? This girl thinks she's funny? She's going to make a joke? All right. And they're trying to, like, up the ante on, oh, at that point. I've been enjoying a lot of things that are like this. Like, I recently was talking so much about Madeline Miller's reimaginations mm. of old Greek stories. And I think that this fits in just perfectly. I think that the fact that they kind of make it into a sci-fi version is something that I hadn't seen people really get into yet. So it was nice to see people get into it more. And this comic, like the visuals to it, I think are just so unlike anything that I've really seen. And so that in and of itself ups the ante. And that way I would like kind of compare it maybe a little bit to like Prince of Cats because it's one of those Mm. adaptations that you just didn't see coming. And then it's just like, oh my God, like you did a really good job on this. And I think that it got canceled earlier than what they wanted. And that's really sad because I would have liked to have seen this kind of play all the way out. But it's still a really good 12 issue volume, I think. I completely agree. I I closed it being extremely satisfied. My sort of belief around self-description is just keep using more words. And then it's like, okay, well, (laughs) what now? I'm gender fluid, non-binary, gender (laughs) queer, bisexual, queer, pansexual. What what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? I'm all that. (laughs) Socialist, anarchist, communist, capitalist. (laughs) I'm all of these things. But in all seriousness, we created these words to describe these things. These things existed before these words. Yeah. So, of course, the words don't fit perfectly on the things because the things were there. Then the words came. But do you know what word does matter? Patreon.com slash bitches on comics. <laughs> we talked a little bit about the queerness in it, but you know, it's like on every page. It's like seeping from the book. Oh, yeah. Which I was not expecting when I picked it up. You know, I was like, oh, Matt Fraction, good people, I'm down. But, like, I didn't know that he had such powerful queer stories to tell, and that made me really excited. I also like the way that they have characters who are bearded and wearing a dress. There's just no need to get into their gender identity. They're allowed to be gender nonconforming. And that's just Mm -hmm. allowed to be like, oh, that's just what happens here. Like, I don't, why would that be a thing? And that's like so refreshing to just see in a book and not have to be like an educational thing and not have to be commented on, but just say, here she is, here they are, they are who they are. And that's just okay. All I can say is I'm not convinced Homer felt that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would agree probably. It is pretty great to see. Also, yeah, there's just so much where you're just like, Yeah, normally I can see all of the ways where I would be really offended by any number of things that they could have done in this story. (laughs) And then it's just like, 
oh, they just didn't do those things and do better things instead. And it shouldn't be refreshing, but is, you know, because what's the other stories we have where it's like all the men are gone, you know, like why the last man or any of these number of upsetting. (laughs) Quite, quite upsetting. (laughs) They definitely drop the ball so often. Here, I was just like, this is great. And I really like how kind of free it is. There's a lot of it's just how things are, you know, they don't have to explain it at length, which is really nice. It's just part of the story for people to be kind of gender nonconforming and or just have a lot of different gender expressions, it seems. Yeah, totally, totally. And there's like one guy left. Is it Poseidon? Is that right? Right. Yeah. He's around and being a dick and people are like, oh, what a dick Poseidon is. And I'm like, people like to reimagine Poseidon as like a nicer of the gods. That bitch was a horrible person. (laughs) Yeah. I also am just like, when you see Poseidon in any kind of a human form, I'm like, why would he be taking human form? That's literally just to appease you. Because if you're living in the deep ocean all of the time, you wouldn't look like a person. Yeah, for realsies. I'm just like, give me a break. There's a lot of different takes on him, but I would like Poseidon to be a big old monster. Yeah, I agree with that. He invents horses to impress Aphrodite. And then he's like, oh, shit. I'm going to go chase these horses because I'm not that interested in you anymore. Right. And I feel like that should inform how he would present himself. Like, he really likes horses, okay? So maybe he'd be like a horseman. Maybe he's Bojack Horseman. (laughs) That's, okay, new pitch. Bojack Horseman (laughs) is Poseidon. I would read that comic. Right. You know, the other thing I was just, you know, I was slipping through some of the panels again, and I talked about how, you know, Zeus is presented as like a fat woman, and that's like so powerful. But then I realized there's so much body diversity. You see a line of women, and they're 12 different heights, and 12 different body sizes, and 12 different skin tones. And it's really cool to just see someone whose imagination is so broad. I don't know. You know, sometimes I I don't want to give too much credit because like, white men get lots of credit. However, it's pretty cool to see a comic by a white man and be like, damn, I am into this because that is not always how I feel. (laughs) I can usually find like a redeeming factor in almost any comic, almost any, not any, but it felt good to read this and sort of forget who was writing it because it was just so enrapturing. I am transported to this version. I I want to live here. I want to see these petty gods fight over Odyssea. Oh, be an arrogant dick. Like I, I loved all of it. You know, it's like I like the tension. I like the the reimaginings. I like the way that the colors, like you were saying, I just feel like I have to keep coming back to them because they they influence so much of what I see. There's this panel in particular, like you were talking about, where the lines really aren't that important. It's one where Zeus gets very upset and she starts throwing lightning bolts and she's like screaming at some of her children who are gods, I think. And everything gets kind of blurry. And I was just like so moved and I was so impressed. I was like, that makes me feel the sort of lightning strike of it all, right? Like the shaking of like everything's a little bit blurry because it's so different in this moment. And I think that that panel is a great example of what the work does as a whole. It really tries to convey, and and I think succeeds, emotion. And it tries to convey a sense of movement in every panel. And so you're, you're constantly moving through emotions with people, people who are in conflict with one another, people who are on the same team, people who are, like we said, those pseudo people. 
their rights are not as important as our humans. Then it's like, okay, well, if the gods are being shitty to the humans and the humans are being shitty to like the ship girls or the lesser girls, like what's so different? It seems to me when we read the Odyssey, we come away with like, a the gods are such assholes. Why are they playing chess with human lives? But this is like, okay, humans are such assholes. Why are they playing chess with ship girls' lives? And that makes it resonate in a very different way. I think that that's something that I have picked up a lot whenever I was reading anything that has to do with Odysseus because that guy is a nightmare person. He sucks. He's really terrible. And I like that people have been accepting a much more nuanced take on him. There's a lot of bad things that he does, even in Madeline Miller's works. Like in Cersei, you see Odysseus through the eyes of a lover, Cersei, who also has nothing to fear from Odysseus. And her view of him is completely different than in the first book, which is Song of Achilles, where Odysseus is literally the person who forces Achilles to go to war. And he does it by being a smug asshole. And all Achilles wants is to like stay with his boyfriend. So I like that he's one of those heroes that changes depending on whose eyes you're looking through. And I think that that's something that's so interesting about Greek mythology is how rich it is that you can view a character through so many different sets of eyes. And I think that that was something that I really appreciated here was is that O is so often a bad person <laughs> like through this. It happens a few times where you're like, oh, damn, that person is just going so hard and being not great. But then there's times whenever she saves all of her people, you know, and she helps to defeat the Cyclops and all of this stuff. But then it's like, yeah, there's all kinds of terrible stuff along the route that O does as well. And I think that that speaks to how terrible war is just generally, too. So there's a lot of layers to it, right? I think that's such a great point. Is like that is so much of what's being grappled with in the Odyssey and in the Odyssey is the aftermath of war, right? Like the the journey home. I think it's meant to be fun. I think it's meant to be a fun journey story. Journey stories are really important to human storytelling. But it's also about war. And it's also about the way that you are broken or lost or damaged through the process. And I think that's a lot of what's happening for O. You know, at this point, she's made it through the war and the people she has left, she's like, I'll be damned if they're not going to get home. And I'll be damned if I'm not going to get home to my wife, which is like a pretty compelling goal. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun comic. There isn't anything that I like really hated about it. There wasn't anything that stuck out to me as like, oh, that was a misstep or something because it is such a nice tribute to the Odyssey in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I thought that it was really good. Yeah, big fan. Check it out. You can get the whole volume on Comixology or as Sarah said, they are doing a hardcover one. So get your little peepers out there and find it because I can only imagine how stunning that's going to be. Sarah, you, you compared it to The Prince of Cats. What I remember so distinctly about reading that book was how important it was to have in a physical copy because it's like an oversized book and you really got like a different sense of how, you know, the story came together. So I think, like you said, getting a physical copy of, of these 12 issues bound would be so cool. So I'll be on the lookout. And if we, if we see it anywhere, we'll share it on the old Twitterverse. Mm-hmm. Hi everyone, I'm Jay, host of the Unafraid podcast. On Unafraid, I share stories from the queer community that help us to grow, learn, and understand that while we are all different, there is an immeasurable beauty in that diversity. 
The Unafraid Podcast is my labor of love, and I want to share that love with you. New stories are aired each week, so you can check out Unafraid on your podcast distributor right now. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So the comic of the week this week is a very special choice. It is Ghost Rider number 29 and 30, as I told you. And then today, whenever I was reading back through it, I realized that it also goes into number 31 which I don't think that you actually read <laughs> because I lied multiple times and said that it was a two-parter. It turns out that it's a three-parter. So you might not know the ending. The ending is literally the same as the rest of the story. Though. So <laughs> it's just like, here's an excuse for Dr. Strange and Ghost Rider to fight for no reason. And it's like, <laughs> all right, I'm here for it. I'll never leave. I like it. Okay, so those are the issues we're discussing. And we are talking, of course, about the saga of Johnny Blaze, as the title page is eager to remind us. The story's name is The Mage and the Monster, which I find hilarious. So this is written by Roger McKenzie and Don Perlin, who does art as well. Don Perlin does, not Roger McKenzie. He's the script guy. Got co-plotter situation going on here. Jim Mooney does the inks. The letters are done by Jay Genovese. And the colors are done by M. Beveridge. Their names are shortened because you can tell that they run out of space on the top of the page. So (laughs) (laughs) what J and M stands for, who knows? So it's edited by Jim Shooter. You don't really need to know that, but I always like to make a mention of it. (laughs) 
So <laughs> holding it down for Jim. <laughs> yeah, just got to make sure that you know what you're getting into whenever it comes to a Jim Shooter comic. Actually, all of his best comics are pretty much ghostwriter comics. Not to get judgy, but I will say that. So we decided on this one just because we wanted to do some fun stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of comics where we just kind of go, it was so brilliant for 10 minutes. <laughs> and we love doing that. We will continue to do that. But let's face it, some of the fun of comics is definitely just getting into the goofiness of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Ghostwriter is prime material for that. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this story starts out with Ghost Rider just driving his hilarious motorcycle, which is all red and has the pitchfork at the back this time around. And he tries to do a stunt and then his bike falls away. And it's just like, oh, no, I'm in a black cloud. Where am I going? Everything's the worst. Ooh. So he goes into what he thinks is Dr. Strange's uh, <laughs> uh, bondage basement inner sanctum that's what he calls it I was just gonna call it his den or something <laughs> it is decidedly the bondage portion of his inner sanctum oh 100% and the fact that it's called inner sanctum quite frankly sounds a little dirty I just think that you're sending a message. So <laughs> I'm looking at the actual comic. There's an ad for Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew t-shirts <laughs> that comes at this time. And Sea Monkeys, like a classic Sea Monkeys ad. Definitely. Did you know the guy who created Sea Monkeys was like a Nazi and he <laughs> like oh, a Nazi no. sympathizer? No, this is the most bonkers thing in the world. He like created a bunch of toys that you could literally use as weapons <laughs> against people. So people would buy these toys and hold people up and mug them <laughs> and stuff like oh that. Oh my God. No, it is bonkers. There is an episode of Stuff You Missed in History about the creator of Sea Monkeys and it is worth a listen. I will say that. So <laughs> that has nothing to do with this, but doesn't it have everything or to do with it? Or does it have exactly what I was going to say? Because <laughs> I feel like that is the exact energy of this fucking comic. It is. Like, the pure chaos. I also feel like this is what happens when you only have men in a comic. Everyone is like swinging their dick around, trying to fight each other. Nobody's like, hey, why are you trying to fight me? Like Everyone's like, oh, you want to fight? Fine, motherfucker. I'll fight you right here. What? What? <laughs> so, Sarah, I feel like this comic is literally the embodiment of the question who would win in a fight between Ghost Rider and Doctor Strange, which is a question I don't understand why anyone would be asking. <laughs> Neither of them, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, nobody wins. <laughs> yeah, so it's all Dormammu. <laughs> Dormammu. Dormammu. It's all him, right? So... <laughs> Yep, he's pretending to be Ooh, strange. I'm Doctor Strange. And then he shows that he's <laughs> like, oh, I better rescue Roxy. And then Roxy turns into an evil demon and <laughs> tries to bite his head Which off. Great. Love that. Really funny. <laughs> gotcha. So then he goes to actual Doctor Strange's house, right? And then he's like, fuck I'm going to fuck this guy up. <laughs> and Doctor Strange is like, I'm beset by a hell demon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about as far as I feel like a conversation between those two would go. Yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, this is the time when Ghost Rider's, uh, the demon personality was way stronger. And so he just is like, <laughs> just starts yelling at everybody that he encounters and calls everybody mortal and stuff like that. And Doctor Strange is sporting his cape. 
trying to be all class and elegance. It can't be that way with the ghostwriter who is a grungy hell demon. Um, <laughs> just really funny because he's like, why are you doing this? And ghostwriter's like, don't know. <laughs> don't know. Just pissed. <laughs> just mad. <laughs> I love the way they make Dormammu look like a pumpkin. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Like red face with like a pumpkin sort of visage inside of like a yellow flame, but you don't really see most of the flame. So he just looks like a pumpkin in a purple outfit. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. This is definitely a character that his, his design changes with the advancement of color techniques. <laughs> uh, but yes. also it's kind of like when you would see old human torch and it's signified just by a bunch of lines <laughs> through his body. He's on fire. You can tell. Here's some lines. <laughs> So <laughs> it was just kind of funny to watch because you're just like, oh, yeah, totally. This guy's on fire. I can tell because of the lines um, and he looks like a pumpkin. So why wouldn't he be on fire? <laughs> <laughs> just ridiculous. And yeah, his costume design is absolutely absurd. He's wearing like a purple shirt and just so funny. Just such a weird villain, too. It's just like, of course, you're the Doctor Strange villain. Of course you are. Doctor Strange is such a weird character and has villains that just are as weird as him nightmare and the ancient one like these are all villains that are basically the same right or i guess the ancient one only sometimes is a villain but this comic <laughs> is some of the most absurd thing i've ever read i remember reading it a long time ago and being like this is so goofy and fun and enjoyable and then i read it today and was like it still is <laughs> It's yeah. Oh my god! It is like such a wild ride, literally and figuratively, because obviously Ghost Rider rides, and I loved it. I was like, I can't believe how weird comics are. They're so fucking <laughs> They're weird. So weird. And I love weird shit, you know? I'm like, great, this is amazing, you know? Especially this time, because it's like literally every single time two characters pop up in a room together, they have to figure out a reason to fight each other. And so <laughs> that was all of the draw. I'm sure these copies sold like a billion, you know? Like, they must have sold really well. And it it's like, there's no story, really. There's like a, a point where... <laughs> the Stephen Strange does like a little magic and is like, go to Hades, demon spawn. <laughs> and then as Ghost Rider's falling, he's like reaching up and he goes, damn you, Strange, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. That made me laugh so fucking hard. Oh my God. I was just like, every time Ghost Rider is making a loud proclamation and then gets cut off halfway through the sentence is quality reading, in my opinion. <laughs> For sure. I just love that, like, everyone's instinct is, let's fight to the death. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's, hey, what's up? Let's fight to the death. Should we fight to the death? That seems appropriate. Also, like, how does Stephen Strange not know about Ghost Rider? Isn't he, like, a mystical whatever? And I know, like, mystic and occult aren't necessarily the same, but they're not not connected. I don't know. I loved it. I was like, I love the suspension of disbelief of, like, these two major characters have never heard of each other. <laughs> yeah. So if you get a chance, <laughs> check out the Ghost Rider number 29, 30, and 31. Also, just look at all of the Ghost Rider, because I love it. Absolutely. Sarah is a huge fan of Ghost Rider, and if you're a patron, you know that by now. <laughs> We 
a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And do you remember there's no I'm bitch? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.